Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your host, Miss... And Kevin. Your friendly neighborhood queers. Let's dive! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I just think I just felt something. Well, it is the Lord's day. Oh, that must be it. Kudos on finding a great story this week too, Miss. I'm sure it's already going to be a great story. I don't even know what it is, but... Kudos to you too, Kevin. Thank for you. your story that I'm excited about. Good. Good. This one should. Mine's, mine's, mine's fun. Mine's topical. No. Okay. It was going, it was going to be topical. Then it wasn't. I take it back. Okay. You take it all back. Yeah, but I'm going to go through the whole rigmarole. Oh man. This, this day, has it been raining up, uh, up where you are? It has Cause it been. started today and I'm not here for it. Yeah, luckily it started after I was done driving a U-Haul truck full mm-hmm. of furniture for four That's hours. That's always good. So, um, yeah, so I didn't. I only had to like drive it back to the U-Haul place in the rain and not two hours. But no, it yeah, it started like drizzling around like three, and mm-hmm. it's been raining and drizzling since. Yeah, that, was, that and. But yeah, it's been raining most of this afternoon mm-hmm. and it's not been fun. I, you know, I, I, I like, I do enjoy rain, but not when I need, I want to do things outside and I have time to be outside and it's raining. Yeah. I forget that like people do things um, and That's like not... rain can inhibit that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And rain, you're right. It, it can inhibit that. And that... Makes me that just bums me out. I know. Why can't no, we schedule rain? Why can't they do well, rain like on I Friday mean, nights at three AM like tech support does software updates? Well wouldn't you want it like I would want it if we're doing like if we're scheduling the rain, shouldn't it be like Wednesday at three AM when there's like cause at least like Friday mm-hmm. night three AM there's oh, there you're could right. still be it traffic, could be still hopping. You know? Especially depending on the city. So I would say, I'd say weekday, but yeah, I'd love to schedule the rain. But I also love rainy days because I don't like going outside and rainy days make me feel justified. (laughs) I wonder if in the future we can order rainy days. Hopefully. Like it just comes of some kind of like drone just shows up above your house with rain spigots. You have your own drone ecosystem. It's your mm-hmm. drone eco mm. drone ecosystem. Anyway, so it's like we all live in bubbles. We just 
it doesn't look like it. And it's like our ecosystem is like perfectly maintained. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Ah. Yeah. So anyway, I can't stand the rain. <laughs> How has your week been? Oh God. Um it's been good. Good. I had a good week. Good. Um I made some some final decisions. Um and like I just like I really like I told you earlier this week I was I was researching and I was like really excited about it. Like, and I didn't realize it. I was, I was just doing my normal research, but like I was excited. Like I, it wasn't just a chore, like another thing I had to do, which mm-hmm. unfortunately it had become in the last few months, just with everything. And that was really nice. I really loved That's great. I loved that. And I've just been feeling good. And you've been looking good. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) but yeah really good and then i got i got thanks to ryan and patrick my our friends who Mm -hmm. donated their furniture uh to me their yeah to their poor lesbian in need and plin their to their to their friendly to their neighborhood plin Mm -hmm. um but no it was very generous of them hashtag plin for Ever. I would love to not Plin always life. be, but like I probably always will be. <laughs> maybe wow. one day. Maybe one day I won't be a plin. <laughs> maybe I'll but be just a lesbian make sure, in abundance. <laughs> yeah, just make sure whatever acronym comes from whatever you end up being, mm, it can still sound like some kind of word like plin. Sure, sure, sure. Thank you. Sure. Um, no. So, and then my, uh, parents, my mom and her husband, Mm -hmm. they came up and helped like unload it. And that was terrifying. And I, I didn't have a panic attack. You did. Why? When, when (laughs) getting it up the stairs? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I listen, you know, my mom, you Mm -hmm. know, I got, yeah. I got very nervous because I don't know. It was just, it was a lot. There's a lot of steps. And then they were like halfway up the like first set of steps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let's just stop this. Like I can hire somebody to do it or, you know, I can just keep it in the living room. Like it'll be crowded, but we'll figure it out. Just keep it down here. And sh- they wouldn't stop. So um, thank you for that. Cause I'm glad that it's all the way upstairs, but I did. I had a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's very good now. So I'm very thankful. I'm feeling very grateful. That's super special. And I'm so happy for that journey for you. Yeah. But yeah, that was very, very good. How was your week? It's been good. It's been, yeah, it, yeah it's been, oh, so much. But right now it's, it's Guess still what's in less than a month. I know the wedding. Are you okay? I am okay. It's just, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. What I am (laughs) is on the cusp between uh, pulling your hair out Mm -hmm. and 
being completely fine and normal. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhere between there. So you're a human and alive. You're I'm an alive pretty human. much a sentient human. Correct. Okay. And that's well, all that's I'm going to tell a, you. That's <laughs> that's not a terrible place to be, especially a month out from your wedding. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm so excited. TBD. Or I mean, um, more Details to, follow. to come. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Details to follow. DTF. Oh, nice. That's the, ever, that's the only time I've ever said that. I That's the first I, time I've ever heard that. I am teaching. I can't. I can't even pretend. I don't need that out of context ever. Um, otherwise good? Otherwise good. Otherwise great. In fact, the really? only thing I'm not feeling great about is my story this week. Why? Because it's, it's a downer. It's a bit of a downer. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. I... Mine is way less of a doubt. Mine's, mine's, yeah. I'll oh, lift good. it up. Uh, oh, I like a, it. It's not like a good, happy story, good but out. it's like, it's like, oh, obviously. So mm-hmm. like, it's, it's not a, he- it's way not heavy. Um, It'll, it'll be good following that. All right. I'm here for I it. Um. So what, you're going to ruin my night? I hope not. Oh, I hope you do. Yeah. I wish I could say I had a light story. And I No, this um, is a true crime murder creep out spooky uh-huh. spooky podcast. We're not here for we're not here for a good time. We're here for a long time. <laughs> That's how that goes, right? <laughs> that is the phrase. Yeah. That's how people say it. So no. And bring me your bring me your deep darks. Sure, I will. True crimes. And before I get into the story, just remind everyone we would love rating. Check us out. Check Check us out out online. Review us at your preferred podcast platform. We are at Creepy Inquiries Pod for mm -hmm. everything. Yep. Uh, for our social medias, including our email, just add a at gmail dot com. If you could be so kind. Thank you for that. Now, and without further ado, Kevin. On to business. Today's story, I am taking us up north to Toronto, Canada. Toronto, okay. Toronto, yeah. It's Maybe. like it's like Baltimore. Yes. No. Yeah, so we're going up <laughs> there. We're going up north. Okay. And we're in the mid-80s, 1985. Ugh, where I love to be. <gasps> okay, wait. Okay. Okay, we're in Toronto in the mid '80s. Okay, mm-hmm. do I know this story? I don't know. I will be talking about the murder of Kenneth Zeller. No. Okay, go on. Okay. Okay. Is that what you're thinking? Okay. Good. Does this name ring a bell? No. Um. I don't. I mean, the name doesn't ring a bell. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I might recognize the story, but I don't. Nothing's going right off the bat. Cool. All right. Well, you know. It's not, not fun. Be cool for long. But it's definitely a story everyone should know about. And Hell yeah, let's do it. So yeah, that's where we're going today. His story, it, uh, it's very well known throughout Canada as a turning okay. point in like public's recognition of LGBTQ Canadians and how they were being treated in society. Uh, it, it wasn't like a full-on change, but it was it was a moment in time like a in Matthew the zeitgeist. Shepard a Matthew Shepard moment. Yeah, I 
That's what I'm, okay. I'm gathering it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was a shocking crime, which we will mm-hmm. get into. But more importantly, it was the perpetrators who committed the murder. That yeah. is the most shocking. And mm-hmm. we will talk a little bit about what I could find about the trial and mm-hmm. the process. That's all I'll say right now because I, I think okay. anything more would give it away. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm just – I'm mentally prepared. Now that I have that background, a Matthew mm-hmm. Shepard background, and we know, mm-hmm. all right, this is going to be a headspace. It's yeah. going to be a headspace. And, you know, let's do it. I'm in. I got my sweater. Just got my sweater on. Uh, she's in. Yeah. And like every serious story we do, we always want to give a lot of respect and and, mm-hmm. and try to do them with – to give justice to the the victims. And so, yes. yeah, this one especially. Okay. So our story focuses on 40-year-old Kenneth Zeller, who on okay. June 22nd, 1985, was finishing up the academic year as the school librarian at Williamson Road Junior Public School, which is located in the Beaches neighborhood in Toronto. Okay. On Friday, June 22nd, around 8 o'clock that night... Zeller had been out that evening at a party drinking with some of his coworker friends as it was the last day of the school year. School. They were having fun. They were letting loose. I guess they it wasn't like a, a, a party per se. I think they were out getting like drinks. a happy hour. A little happy hour. Yeah. Like a librarian happy hour. School's out, guys. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cause <laughs> teachers gotta drink too. Um, yeah. Let there yep. be no illusion. Please. Yep. I know them. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am friends with them. <laughs> Just kidding. All of my friends who are teachers are angels. They've angels. Never done They've never done anything wrong in their lives. In another part of Toronto, there were eight teenagers who had just piled into a truck owned by oh, the oldest one and drove to a never. liquor store to buy a 24-pack and some tall boys. That is such an... American statement. Mm. You know, eight bros in a pickup truck getting some uh. tall boys. Oh God, that many, that many teenagers, that many teenagers yeah. in a pickup truck just could never, ever, ever be anything good. Okay. Hell no. They drove to Jack Darling Park to hang out and drink those beers, but they realized the park had a patrol, so they hightailed it out of there and decided to get some subs at a sub shop. And oh, then yeah. they decided to continue their partying and drinking at another park. It's they, not called joyriding for nothing. Hell no. They finished the beers amongst the eight of them, which is, I guess, around like six beers Oops. each. Okay. okay, okay. And by the time that the beer dried up, they were feeling drunk, feeling Great. stupid, and feeling Great. homophobic. Great. Unironically, with yeah. the surge of outward homophobia, they just started play fighting, you know? For I guess they're drunk. Well, and I mean and drinking and fighting kids definitely go hand together. in hand a lot. Yeah, they're best friends. Yeah. And they were just getting themselves riled up. I don't know okay. what that voice was, but I'm hoping um, that won't happen that again. Is, that is that is your uh, context for this kind of situation. <laughs> That's how I cope. So they were play fighting. One of them called out, hey, why don't we go beat up a queer instead of fighting with each other? 
Why not? Why not? Why not? Because uh, <laughs> because it's uh, 1985 and things are going great for the queers. Um, mm-hmm. mm, the 80s. What a what a what a time to be alive and gay. Uh, yep. So this is going to be okay. So yep. all right. All right. Now, there are Mm. three of these eight teenagers who are nameless in the story. Okay. And the five that have names are the following. We have Michael Bedard, Mm -hmm. who was 18. We had Stephen Christo, who was 16. We had Michael Burak, who was 16. We had Henrik Juskuj. Oh, sorry. Juskuj. Juke, juice juke, J U S probably correct. J U S Z C Z U K. Henry juice juke, He's a perpetrator, right? So fuck his name. Fuck his name. Fuck your lies. I respect your name until you kill someone. And then the last one we have Richard Bauer, who is fifteen. And this was 1985, June. Uh, a newspaper after the murder describing the boys as uh, bright but withdrawn Richie Bauer, the hardworking Mike Burak, his best friend Steve Christo, and tagalong Henry Jusjuk. <laughs> tagalong, bitch. Um, Doesn't even have a so job. So why are they describing them like this is the newspaper? Yeah, it's the newspaper. Is this after they've been arrested? Yes, it was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. What a lovely way to describe Yep. These them. teenagers, they knew each other by playing hockey and from their neighborhood hangouts. They were all students of Western Technical High School, which is now, I believe, called Western Technical Commercial School. I looked it up online. All of them Wonderful. except Michael Bedard, who was the oldest. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. he was either in school at the time. Or he went to a different one. Yeah, yeah, he was. They all lived in the Swansea area of Toronto, which at the time, at least, I don't know about now, was a very strict working class family Mm. kind of setting. Area? Yeah, area. Many. Yep. Many of these five teens had part-time jobs, yada, yada. Uh, But you know, the school year was over. One of them had a truck. Ton of beer. And no curfew. So what could go wrong? Queer hunting. What could go wrong? That's Queer? what could go wrong. Hunting, yep. hunting gay people, which is what <laughs> if we're going to do, right? This is what. Yes. Oh, God, I'm ready. Ooh. Yeah, here they are. They're getting mm-hmm. riled up. They're like, where do we go find gay men? Didn't take them long at all. I'm shock sure of shocks. <laughs> to remember that High Park... One of the largest municipal parks in the city of Toronto, High Park, was known as a cruising spot. Cruising area. It's park of the 80s. Yep. In fact, and, uh, in fact, Mike Burak had been there a couple of weeks before with some other friends. When asked why at the trial they'd gone there for the first time, he told one of the lawyers, well, oh, I can we were just going there and watching. No, you weren't. No. Yeah, no, you weren't. They drove to High Park, and it's getting closer to midnight at this point. Uh, Once they got to High Park, the seven of them started following Mike, the guy that had been there before, 
through just the dense woods, out. just to scope it out, okay. through those dense woods, up to the spot he had previously been before. And that's when, unfortunately, uh, they spotted Kenneth Zeller, who was walking back to his car. He was walking out of the woods at the time. And I guess yeah. to visualize, it was probably like a very narrow uh, trail. It was very like dense woods okay. and it was dark out. So, so it's not like what you would, it's not like, okay, in my head, I'm thinking like a walking path in like a public park. This is more like a trail in the woods. Yeah. Well, High Park is a large park in the uh-huh. city. It's not as, it's, it's like half the size of Central Park. So it's not okay. as big okay. as Central Park, but it's, it's akin to Central Park. So there's that's wooded what I, areas. I mean, that's what there's, okay. yeah. This is where the crime starts. They mm, hate that word. Uh, yeah. As he was walking past them, one of the boys had tripped Kenneth and they mm. started kind of shouting obscenities at him. Mm-hmm. And so that's when Kenneth got up and started running the about 425 feet or about mm-hmm. 130 meters length mm-hmm. back to his car while the teen mm-hmm. started to chase him. Great. When he got to his car, he couldn't get the key in his lock right away. And again, this was in the 80s, so you had to have a key to insert into your car to unlock it. And uh, it was also midnight, so of course, and he was being chased. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it's like no lights either. This is. No. Ooh, it's like I'm there. Yeah. He had unlocked the car door, and but that was around the time that the kids had uh, caught up to him, and that is when the beating started. Unfortunately, one of them had either pushed or kicked him, and like he kicked him into his car. So he had gotten the driver door open, and the he door was like open. got okay. yeah, and he got like kicked in. Uh, one of the other kids had went around to the other side, opened the passenger door up and he started, you know, punching and and hitting him Mm -hmm, from that mm -hmm. way. The kid that like punched him initially, uh, I believe crawled into the car, got on top of him, started punching him. Another kid was running around, um, slashing his tires. Um, I think someone else had busted his windows or at least some of the windows, and it was yeah. about, I think, all in all, around three minutes or so of an attack. Three minutes. Yeah. It was brutal all the while, shouting of obscenities, the mm-hmm. F word, trying to get money from him. Kenneth was able to, like, eke out and, like, I don't have any money. They checked his mm-hmm. pockets and he didn't have anything. So they just continued to beat him, unfortunately. And um, an older man who was coming out of the woods as well, he had heard the commotion and so he was frozen. You know, he couldn't do anything except watch right. it all happen from the darkness. Right. You yeah, know? yeah. So that's and a, this, I'm a, I'm a freezer too. Yeah. And this was the 80s. So there was no cell phones. Um, after the teens were done beating and up he Kenneth. he was walking out of the woods. And mm-hmm. there was for, and so that's. And he know, knew what was happening. You know, he, ob- he wasn't he in those woods. And there was one of him. Mm-hmm. And eight rabid teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like he could ugh. Yeah. He could have so, done anything. He mm. and of course you couldn't go back into the woods cuz uh, what good is that? So he was stuck. The old yeah. dude had to wait until they were done and the kids um and 
I did fail to mention earlier, I had five of the kids had participated, and that's why there is not the three other oh, kids. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I should have said that earlier. But uh, okay, so I imagine those might be the kids like slashing the tires and like blasting the windows. And, absolutely, yep. But three, but three, you're saying three were just not involved at all. They were not involved. They didn't try to stop it. They were well, just obviously. watching. Yeah. The old dude had to wait until they were far enough down the hill after they all got back into their truck and sped away for, you know, him to go out of the woods, yeah. A, to check on Kenneth, but also so he can leave and not be behind right. them because, of course, they would if someone's behind them, where are they coming from? <laughs> right. So he was able to check on Kenneth. He was not sure if he was alive or dead. The kids um, would later maintain they did not know that they had killed him until the newspapers started printing him oh. the following day. They thought they just beat him up. And uh, so the old man had checked on him and... Then all he could do was drive to the nearest police station and, yep, and report it. Report it. I mean, what else? Do? Police arrived at Kenneth's uh, car a short time later, uh, and he was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital around 1 a.m. Mm. The old gay man, the witness, was able to provide <laughs> at least some descriptions of the group to the cops. <laughs> the way you said it, the old gay man. <laughs> The elderly homosexual man. <laughs> like it's a David The aged queer. <laughs> the aged queen. We need some levity. Uh, the Nelly who's long in the tooth. <laughs> who's just here for the birds. <laughs> oh. And so the old gay man was able to provide at least some descriptions of the group to the cops. And it was reported well, in the Sunday Sun that... The police mentioned they were looking for a gang that had been spotted there at the park that night. Yeah. And, you know, on Monday, the 24th of June, uh-huh. this was two days later, right? Henry Jujuk, I think I'm pronouncing it right, but if I'm not, sorry, fuck you. He had called his best friend, Stephen, who was not a part of that group or the attack. Mm-hmm. It was, um, so he called his best friend over because he was feeling guilty because he oh, started reading it. Yeah. And I think he was feeling a little, yeah, I think he was feeling a little guilt. I think he was feeling a little fear about getting caught because he oh, did read in the newspaper. I think, I think that's what we're, I don't know if anybody felt guilty. Uh, yeah. That's, that's definitely, yeah. Discussion I mean, topics for sure. Uh, that is my personal opinion, and I'll die with it. <laughs> and so Henry ended up confessing after mm-hmm. his friend was trying to like get it out of him that he yeah. said, look, we, I think we killed somebody. And Stephen was like, I think like you must be kidding. He didn't believe him. And, yeah. uh, and of course, like he told him everything. Yeah. A few days later, on Friday, June 28th, Henry was arrested along with his four other partners in crime, Michael, Michael, Stephen, and Richard. They were all uh, five arrested that evening and charged with second-degree murder. Okay. 
The five, they were denied bail and they were held in custody at the East Metro Mm -hmm. Detention Center 156 until their trial that November. So from the end of June until November. Generally not a supporter of pre-trial incarceration, but Mm -hmm. I ain't got no love. Their lawyers and the Crown attorneys struck a deal where the minors were transferred to adult court to be Mm -hmm. tried as adults. But in return, they waived their rights to a preliminary hearing. Agreeing to be tried as adults worked in the Crown Attorney's favor because back then there was a Canadian law called the Young Offenders Act, which apparently capped max sentences to like three years. Right. So to try them as adults, they could circumvent that and pursue higher charges and longer prison terms. Okay. All right. Whatever. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Plus, they're in Canadian prison. They're, yeah. A holiday. It's like a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think I may have used the term trial earlier in the story as I was talking to describe Mm -hmm. things, but technically it was um, not a trial. It was a pre sentencing Mm -hmm. hearing because they had all pleaded guilty to manslaughter instead of second degree murder. So, so. The charges were second-degree murder as children, uh-huh. but manslaughter for adults. Well, I think it was That's still murder for adults. But I I think at some point, yeah, they did strike another deal where they pled yeah. guilty to manslaughter. Yeah, I mean, depends on what can be proven. Mm-hmm. And obviously Canadian law and, you know, it's probably analogous to the same, you know, second degree murder as it is here, but who Mm -hmm. who knows. But I mean, second degree murder is much more fitting because you had the intent to cause, and I'm only speaking from my experience and Mm -hmm. the state that I live in, but just you had the intent to cause serious bodily injury without... Mm -hmm. And then that person died. So that's what second degree murder is. It's right. not that you intended to kill them. It's just you intended to hurt them substantially, regardless of what that outcome was. And um, maybe the deal was that, yes, like they did um, agree to all plead guilty if they dropped it to manslaughter. There's no way that like the defendants would agree to be charged as adults. If, you know, if that was in fact like, um, like a deal, like I can't figure out what they would get out of it unless it was the lesser charge of manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's probably ugh. it, to, yeah. be, to be honest. Yeah. The five defendants had streams of friends, relatives, teachers, psychologists, psychiatrists who worked to present a collective picture that the five boys were, you know, average, likable teenagers, sensible they youths. Panic. Not prone to violence and not motivated by homophobia or whatever <laughs> cookie cutter bullshit. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that the I'm surprised that that is the that's what they're saying instead of gay panic. Because mm-hmm. 1985 is prime time for a gay panic I, I, you know, yeah, defense. I, yeah. Well, they didn't actually go to trial, so I guess that's why. But. And that could be, to be honest. Um, And of course, the Crown attorneys played down Zeller's homosexuality throughout the pre-trial or, sorry, pre-sentencing. 
and it's not because he was gay. No. It's just but, because they wanted to kill someone who was gay. Who they thought was gay, yeah. So that's not to say that it was never referenced in court or written about, uh, because it was. Crown yeah. Attorney Richard Ledrasse said, yeah. quote, the issue is that these boys perceived him to be homosexual and felt that right. justified attacking him. Right, so regardless least, of whether it's true. Exactly, regardless. Right. And I have no actual proof from what I could read that he was actually gay. I, I everyone obviously I mean, assumes, and it's safe to assume, yeah. but we're still and, assuming. Uh, we have to remember that these men were cruising in the park at mm-hmm. night, in the middle of the night, Preach. because because that is the way that it was safe. Mm-hmm. This was a safe way to this. Just imagine this is this is the way you are a gay person in the eighties, and you can go to gay bars or yep. you can go to the fucking woods. That's Take your it. pick. That's Take it. your pick. And for if the you dick. went to, and if you went to a gay bar, you had to leave a gay bar, mm-hmm. and people would see you leave a gay bar. Yeah. And that would ruin your entire life. <laughs> So if you were uh, – put your shoes <laughs> on as a defense attorney. Put your defense attorney shoes on, okay. your sensible shoes. Jesus Christ. Okay. Here she is. Um, here she is. Would you use this line of defense? <laughs> Probably not. The attack was a freak accident. A mysterious, unprecedented happenstance of midsummer madness. It, it's beautiful. It's actually perfect as a defense because there is nobody perpetrating a crime in that language. Mm. Isn't it horrible what happened to this poor man? It's unspeakable. It's mysterious in its happenstance. Isn't that horrible? Not these fucking five kids brutally, savagely murdered a man for no reason other than that he was gay or that they perceived him to be gay and that is a lot of what the defense was trying to say and the um (laughs) i mean honestly (laughs) it's pretty good because i mean especially even though there's no jury you know with a guilty plea or anything you are still presenting the facts and everything to the judge and mm-hmm. um, you get to the defense get to make a statement. Counsel can make a statement, and the defendant can make a statement. Um, and I mean, honestly, what you want to do is to, you know, be as persuasive as you can to paint mm-hmm. your client in the best light imaginable. I don't know why they thought that the best way that they could paint them as this was like a ghost attack. Like well, they they had already serious. pleaded guilty. So yeah. I believe the defense attorneys were also like, they were using this plot, but they also, I'm sure were saying like, look, we know, I mean, they've confessed to killing him. We know that they were drunk. We know that where they were raised, we know these other things. So take pity on them for they know not what they do. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. They're straight men. How can mm-hmm. you blame them for they these gay people are just existing? How can you blame them? 
and not even in front of their faces. They had to go out and find them. And well, they knew the, where to look. they're hiding. They're hiding in the fucking well. Mister Mister Looky uh. Lou uh, knew where to look, and uh, uh-huh. God damn, if he was in there to check things out. We were just looking. Yeah. No, you weren't. No, you weren't. You were participating, and it made you un- it. You liked it so much that it made you so uncomfortable that you're the only way that you could cope with that uh. is to prove that you were a big bad man. Uh-huh. And to go beat up a fucking queer. The killers wept as Justice Gregory Evans sentenced each to nine years in prison. Nine whole years. Nine whole nine, years. Nine whole years. Isn't that justice? <laughs> as the defendants were let out of the courtroom, there were calls of encouragement from their friends and families. So what? They'll be they'll be under thirty when they get out. You don't even know the half of it yet. Hold on. What a fucking lesson to learn. Fun fact here is there were five defendants Mm -hmm. and four were minors. Mm -hmm. Those four minors, Mm -hmm. although they were tried as adults, I'm Mm -hmm. remembering, were given Mm -hmm. release to continue going to high school (laughs) and even permitted 72-hour unescorted temporary passes. Could you imagine sitting next to someone, taking your chemistry quiz, knowing that they, like, killed a dude? Like, what the f- Like, that's what I'm picturing. I don't know if that's the case. Um, they're pro- I mean, I would... I mean, did they go to their own schools? Or were they, like, in state school? That's oh, a great question. Canada. Yeah, it's Canada. It's Canada. Dude. So did they spend any time in jail? It is Minors? hard for me to determine that, unfortunately. Yeah. I've tried researching it, and I don't know. My, yeah. I believe yeah. they finished their terms, but I have well, not read I mean, anything out there about the re- their releases and what they're doing yeah. now, which kind of bums me out because I want to fucking know. Well, I mean, honestly, I'm sure they've changed their names. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe they didn't. This is maybe they didn't. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are going to give a fuck about no. this. Like most of the mainstream media, like back then during the trials, yeah. were very sympathetic to them. Of course. of course, of course. I mean, because the there might be a victim here, but he's mm-hmm. also like a societal villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, this big dangerous fucking queer so of course they were sympathetic yeah the events well the newspapers you know like we were just talking about had a difficult time writing about the idea of homosexuality and the causes of it but the the events were (laughs) but the events were so shocking because they were kids that had done it it really did bring these issues of Canadian homophobia to the forefront of like public debate around those those nice. uh, subsequent years, which is really you know that is good very and, good, very good. But I cannot stress this enough. Mm-hmm. It took a man being brutally murdered mm-hmm. by five teenagers for anyone to care, right? And that's why um, a lot of the uh, Toronto school board was taking the brunt of it during those Mm -hmm. subsequent years. Um, Important questions were starting to be raised about why the attackers, who were all high school students, 
would have committed such like a horrible hate crime, the links this incident could have had to what they were being taught in school was at the center of that public debate. Interesting. The school board responded by issuing a formal statement, of course, indicating that they would not tolerate any sort of harassment or discrimination. (laughs) Boilerplate, probably. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I bet you ever since then, no poor gay child was ever bullied in a Canadian school ever again. Never a queer kid being harassed and ran out of school (laughs) in Canada ever again. In uh, 1986, a year after the uh, murder, a number of recommendations were presented to the board in order to address homophobia occurring within the schools throughout Toronto. Based on those recommendations made, the school board reinforced the idea of implementing programs and curricula aimed at increasing the understanding of human rights among both faculty and students. Well, and there's your difference between America and Canada. There we go. This is the mid eighties. And again, it took the brutal murder of a, of a (laughs) defenseless man, Yep. but, um, they recognized that it was a problem and then did something about it, which is, um, and this is 80, 87, 86, 87. Our Matthew Shepard moment didn't happen till 98. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that was not at all the response. Uh, you can see where America's response to that has gotten us today. The yep. like four inches of space we've gotten in schools is now literally being made illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why I think this is such a powerful story yeah. to hear about, to learn about, to read about. I've never heard of it. I didn't either. I know, and that's a shame, but I'm really very is. glad that I glad I that know, I know it. have it. I, like, I now I have it, yeah. I'm still sort of flabbergasted by the, the the fact that Canadians were like, oh my gosh, maybe it's what we're teaching our kids. Right? Like, like are we doing something wrong? At, when at the same time in the U.S., Ronald Reagan is refusing to acknowledge AIDS. AIDS and yeah. Refusing to acknowledge that gay people existed, that they were dying of AIDS, and that AIDS existed. Yeah. That's America's where we were. policy has always been shut your fucking mouth. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Well, that is the story on the hateful crimes committed against Kenneth Zeller. Uh, may you rest in power. He was yeah. just a fucking school librarian for an elementary a school. Fucking librarian. I'm so upset. Mm. Let's burn it all down. Yeah. No. No. Instead of burning it all down, just just tell us your story. Can we just do that? Don't burn sure. things. Sure. I mean, it's burnt. It's all burnt. burnt. All right. So you know this, Kevin. Yes. I have never, I've never been one to believe in ghosts. I've never been that imaginative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do um, know this about you. I know. Even as a kid, it doesn't make sense. Like if I'm dead and somehow part of me is still here, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to go back to my childhood bedroom, you know? like Yeah. Um, but then again, I guess I think that's why I, as I was writing that, I was like, oh wait, that's why like, 
ghost stories are premised on the idea that ghosts don't choose that, right? They don't choose to haunt, right? They're like stuck there. Yeah, yeah, they get, yep. It's like, it's just like the worst case scenario, but um, <laughs> like, it's just like the- But also don't forget, anytime you step outside, if you die, whatever you're wearing becomes your ghost outfit. Seriously, I I have made some- horrid choices before and honestly 90 percent of the i mean if i'm not going to work mm. i'm not wearing clothes that are fit for anything let alone an eternal haunting like it's just it's i'm never gonna be prepared Who has I'm, time for that i'm gonna be the ugliest messiest ghost i love it but but all of that to say is like I've always I love ghost stories and I love mm-hmm. haunting. Me too. And during during quarantine, I got really into reading people's I didn't know my house was haunted until quarantine stories. Oh, that's cool. Um, and originally I was gonna do those sto- I was gonna like pick a few of those um that were gonna like the spooky ooky ones that mm-hmm. were like really good. But I I realized that all of the ones that were available were like four or five sentences so there was just like you know we were home a lot and the the toilet flushed on its own and the 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 doorknobs were rattling so like there wasn't anything of like any terrible substance so I had to switch gears but I didn't want to go too far um and I came across the smurl haunting smurl Merle. I dare say that last name has me so intrigued. The Smurl. If, if they sound familiar, the mm-hmm. Smurls were clients of Ed and Lorraine. Warren, okay. Uh, who they co-wrote a book with, and that mm-hmm. later became a made-for-TV movie in 1991. Ooh. We should watch that movie, because a 1991 made-for-TV movie about a haunting sounds perfect. Uh-huh. So, in 1974, the Smurls were forced to move when their Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania home, was destroyed in a flood. Jack and Janet Smurl were very typical religious, white, suburban family. They had four children and a German shepherd. Uh, Jack was often referred to as a pillar of the community. Okay. Um, so, Jack and Janet and the kids and also Jack's parents move to a, I wrote run down, but let's say a fixer upper. It was called a double block house, which it's basically a duplex, but I picture like a duplex with one facade, two doors kind of thing. This was a little mm-hmm. different. So it's basically two houses in one <laughs> where uh, um, his parents lived in one and then the family lived in the other and he was fixing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were in Pittston, Pennsylvania. And Jack spent... Uh, a lot of his time fixing up the house himself. And that's when some spooky shit started. Nothing serious at first. Just some toilets flushing, appliances shutting off, tools going missing. Okay. All right. Typical stuff. And and according to some, a telltale sign of a haunting um, is electrical issues because it is believed demonic entities can affect electrical currents due to the presence of strong magnetic fields. Obviously. Obviously. Mm. So 
Eventually, the family finished the house and Jack got promoted at work. He also coached the daughter's softball team. Everything was good. Janet became pregnant again and she was organizing an anti-drunk driving group at the school and the kids were thriving. Everything was on the up and up for the Smurls. But the good fortune wasn't to last. More signs started popping up that made them think that maybe this was a demon after all. Like, I don't know. The TV burst into flames. What? What? Call the police. Burn that house down. It's attacking the the most important thing in your home. You have four children. Divide and conquer. You have four children and your only TV just got lit on fire. Good luck. You are as good as dead. Good luck. Good luck. And I'm not saying from the demon. Anyway. (laughs) We don't make the rules. I don't make the rules. And then there was a lot of like knocking on walls. And then there were like horrible odors, like so bad, like, um, like it like made them like sick, like physically like throw up and like pass out. Um, and they, they convinced themselves that it's not a demon. It's not a demon. It's not a ghost. Okay. It's just, it's the old house. We've been doing some work and she's just settling in. She's just Hmm. settling and maybe there was a dead animal in a crawl space. But we're not going to look for it. We're just going to say maybe there's a dead animal. That um, those strong odors, it's like all of us, it comes out of nowhere. So it's nothing, nothing, nothing. Odor so bad, you pass out. Nothing, Ugh. nothing, nothing. So I don't think the dead animal is a good explanation because that wouldn't just stop. Uh-uh. Then something happened. I couldn't figure it out. I don't know if it was the economy or J- Jack lost his job or whatever. But after not too long later, the family was um, struggling to make ends meet. Jack's mother had had a heart attack. And then after these things, the ghost activity really got turned up. Mm-hmm. Janet and then um, Mary, who is Jack's mother, Janet mm-hmm. and Mary kept hearing the other call out for her. So Janet swore she would hear Mary call out her name while Mary would think she heard Jack and Janet in the throes of an argument laden with explicatives. Damn it, Janet. Yeah, which honestly is probably what it was for this quaint little family. The family claimed that black masses, like black clouds, formed in the home and floated about. Can you imagine can I? Can you? Like, like, just like a black cloud, like literally in your home. Like, these are the things I'd be like, where is the psychiatrist? I need a thousand pills. I can't live this way anymore. Please. I cannot be seeing, like, part of me is like, are you, are we all having like a group hallucination? Like how, why aren't you more upset? I think is my thing. Like, I think... I have been told that maybe sometimes I'm an overreactor, but I feel like this is maybe some underreacting. Mm-hmm. Whatever. What, what do I know? What? One day, one of the Smurl daughters was injured when a light fixture fell from the ceiling and landed directly on her head as if she was being targeted. Again, no biggie. No biggie. Then, and this is some bullshit. The family says the entity, unseen by the family, picked up the family's 75-pound German shepherd and slammed him into the wall. He was fine. He was fine. But slammed him into the wall. And then Janet 
says she was picked up by an invisible presence dangling six feet in the air and then tossed across the room. Oh, my God. Picked up a whole person. Neighbors even reported hearing screams coming from the house while the family was not at home. Which, like, that's kind of creepy. That is fucking creepy. Claw marks began appearing in the bathroom and other parts of the house. The marks scratched into the walls appeared to be from something with three toes? Claws? Toes? Toes? Um... Jack claimed the entity bit his ear and one time dragged him to his knees while he was reciting the rosary and tried beating him to get him to stop. My heavens. Okay. And so I don't know if this needs a trigger warning or not, but let's just trigger, let's just trigger warning. Trigger the trigger. A little bit of ghost sexual assault. So it's still sexual assault. So skip it if you don't like it. That's totally fine. Um, but Janet says she was visited in the dead of night by a malevolent force that molested her in her sleep. Gosh. Jack saw it happen. Lying in bed with Janet, he heard someone whispering, a young woman, it seemed. When he turned to face his wife, he watched a shadowy figure run up her leg. Unfortunately, Janet was not the only one being molested. <sighs> Jack claimed that he was molested in bed next to Janet. And one time he said a succubus entered the living room and raped him while he was watching a baseball game on TV. What the I don't fuck? Know. Yeah. I don't know how he knew it was a succubus, but that's what he right. said. And they both would later claim that they would were molested multiple times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the more stressed the house became, the members of the mm-hmm. house became, the more the haunting activity ramped up. After the sexual assaults, Jack and Janet needed help. So this is 1986. This has supposedly been going on for 12 years. But wow. now it is ramped up so far. And I don't know if they maybe tried to contact, tried to get somebody to help before, but I know, mm-hmm. I just know that like in 1986 is when it starts. They went to the Catholic church to see if a, Naturally. Uh-huh, to see if an exorcism could be granted. Um, Janet alleged uh, she thought father O'Leary was helping uh, the situation, but then she understood that he was a demon in the disguise of a priest. Mm-hmm. So he was not helping. Desperate and out of options, the Smurls went public with their story. The family uh, apparently got more than they bargained for. Quote, the press latched on and like a malicious spirit refused to leave. End quote. <laughs> that was from a newspaper article from the 70s. And I'm just like, are you you're making fun of them? <laughs> <laughs> Quote, oddballs camped out in front of their house. Cameras flashed and reported flooded their lawn cars of onlookers uh, cruised by hoping to glimpse something from another dimension. After the story was out, representatives from Catholic church in Scranton decided to look into the claims. Okay. Uh, They were uncertain what was causing the activity after multiple priests visited the Smurls to bless the home, all reporting they Mm -hmm. encountered no harmful activity. Even in 1986, a, 
priest even stayed with the family. Okay, so the the way that this was written in the story, it said that the priest moved in with the family. Mm-hmm. But then it said after nothing happened, he moved out after two nights. So he didn't move in. He stayed over for the weekend. <laughs> uh, he was there for four, over 48 hours and nothing happened. So he left. Okay. So nothing is working and they're, they're exhausted about the press. But the one good thing that happened with the press was mm-hmm. got the attention of Ed and Lorraine Warren. In case some people don't know, the Warrens were a successful religious, quote, self-taught demonologists, end quote, who were very popular and in demand in the 70s and 80s. Whenever there was a suspected haunting or demon, Ed and Lorraine mm-hmm. were on it. They believed it. they could they could cleanse and or capture malignant entities. They were um, later made famous in horror books and movies like the Conjuring series, Annabelle yep. Horror, The Haunting in Connecticut, and also then Annabelle. Oh yeah, all like there's so many, and then the movie based on the TV movie for this, which is called The Haunted. Um. Lorraine Warren was also clairvoyant and very quickly concluded that the Smurls were being haunted by four ghosts. Four of them. One, a harmless elderly woman. Two, a young and possibly violent girl. Three, a man who suffered and died in the home. And finally, and most importantly, number four, Uh a demon who used the other three spirits to destroy the Smurl family. Of course. Boom. I really feel like I was, I was feeling my, uh, what's her name? The blonde hair. <laughs> blonde hair. On the news. She's always yelling at you. With oh, the Ta- Tommy, Tommy Laren. No, no, no. Or Older. Laura Ingram. La- no, I'm thinking. Megan on- Kelly. <laughs> no, um, what's her name? She's like. I just picture her in the Casey Anthony trial yelling about Oh, Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace, yes. I was having my Nancy Grace moment. (laughs) But I ruined it by never knowing her name. Anyway, um, so uh, Ed, on the other hand, did months of investigation. Um, He claimed he had audio tapes of knocking and rapping uh, and dark shadows that belonged to the demon, obviously. Obviously. He said – and he said he turned them over to the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Quote, we're dealing with an intelligence here. Ooh. It's powerful, intangible, and very dangerous. And the Warrens seem to be the only people who believe the Smurls. According to decodedpast.com, mm-hmm. a committee, uh, committee for the scientific investigation of claims of the paranormal, uh, their chairman, Paul Kurtz, offered to investigate the small haunting because of the attention it garnered and because of the Warrens, uh, because of their involvement. Uh-huh. Um, Kurt sent two teams of investigators to West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Uh, when they were arrived though, the Warrens denied them access to the house. Although the Smurls gave one of the teams permissions to investigate the claims. Committee members extensively interviewed the Smurls and neighbors and reporters working on the case and determined that the haunting was a hoax, which, uh, fucking rude. How dare you not on Ed and Lorraine's watch? I'll tell you that. 
not on my watch. Not the Warrens were fine watch. with all of that because they knew the truth. Ed, of course. quote, I did not have to wait moments when the very thing I felt was a drop in temperature of at least 30-some degrees. Then a dark mass formed about three feet in front of me. There was a sound in back of me, and I could hear rattling around, huh. end quote. Huh. Ed said items on the bureau began jumping around and falling off, and the mattress uh, in the Smurls' bedroom was jumping up and down, too. The Warren said he, no, Ed said he then commanded whatever was in the home to leave the house in the name of Jesus Christ. Just like that. But like, here's the thing. He's not a priest. No. Or like a pastor or like nothing. He's a demonologist. Why are he going to listen to you? Right. Quote, there's something in this home which has an intelligence to inflict physical and psychological harm upon this family. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ed, it's you. The Warrens even commissioned Father Robert McKenna to perform exorcisms. He performed three separate exorcisms with no relief. And then Father McKenna was a member of an order of Catholicism that the Vatican doesn't recognize. And he's mm-hmm. big in the exorcism world. And Ed and Lorraine used him in a lot of the stories. The Smurls were exhausted by the incessant media scrutiny. So in 1987, the family packed up and left their duplex. But their friends followed them and haunted them for another two years. What? In two their years? New home. Yeah. Until 1989, when they had a church-sanctioned exorcism, which cleared the family of activity after 15 years. That's excessive. Yeah. And that is the Smurl haunting. Now, there are a lot of people who are just like, "Mm, I don't think so. Right. I don't think it's real. What do you think, Kevin? Oh, I, for 15 years. 1974 to 1989. That needs to, like, Mm -hmm. that's excessive. And it makes me think, (laughs) it makes me think that it's fake. Yeah, so that's my so, the feeling. Yeah, so from decodedpast.com, um they say like uh this like there's an Allentown psychologist. Um his theory is that the the family was suffering like a group mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Uh he said shared tension causes this and common symptoms could evolve uh, involve delusions and hallucinations. It's not crazy without, you know, outside of the realm of possibility, but when the guy who investigated Kurtz asked them to undergo psychological dams. They refused. Mm -hmm. So neighbors had apparently complained for years about foul stenches that came from the sewer pipe near their home, but they could never, they couldn't identify the source of the smell. Later they found it was intermittent due to layers underground with mine veins, which may have caused like rocking chairs and other disturbances. So like the, the veins of a mine could be going underneath, which also could have caused that feeling of like um, the house settling and things like yeah. that, which could explain why the toilets would flush, why the, you know, lights might be disrupted, things like that. Uh, I think that's bullshit. I'd like to believe it's a ghost. I'm just kidding. I don't believe it's a ghost, but 
I don't either. And I'm glad we're on the same page here. But I do think it's fun. I love ghost stories. I love hauntings and exorcisms. Sure. But like purely, purely like for entertainment. Like I, I wish I could believe in something fun, but I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. So I mean, mostly today it's believed as a big hoax, and one of the biggest things that points to it is that the um, when. After they went to the press, they would openly Mm -hmm. complain about how exhausted they were by all of the press attention and all of that. And right at the time they started complaining was when they signed their book and movie deal with Ed and Lorraine. I see. I mean, they couldn't have been too sincere in that belief if they were selling the rights to their story. Sure. That's true. I mean... Who knows? It could all be real. Um, I love the idea of a group hallucination. That's kind of fun. Yeah, we've touched on that in some of our stories. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just like a couple of weeks ago with my toxic like toxic yes, lady with Gloria toxic Ramirez. Woman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, like, it's not it's not totally implausible. Yeah, um, and that would be interesting to actually find confirmed stories. Of, yeah, like of a. That. Like of a family, I mean, there has to be like a family, like mass hysteria. Yeah. Which, like, honestly, like, what is the difference between like mass hysteria and then we have families in this country now who are like extreme, you know, preppers and um, it's a fine line. I know. But there are people who genuinely believe like things are happening now and like, yes. You know, what's the difference between that and a delusion? What is? That's a great question. I am not qualified to answer that, but I will speculate wildly with you. Yay. And I think that's all that we can accomplish in our lives. I don't want no real answers. No. But anyway, so that is the story of the Smurl family hunting. Well, look, I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, that was like the perfect little... (laughs) Um, after dinner mint to your story. Thank you. Because yeah. it, it sure that needed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, listen, your story was tough, but, yeah. Yeah. um, these are the stories we need to tell because I mean, we didn't even know about them. And exactly. That's what I kept thinking. No, I just, it's, that's one of those horrible, but important stories Mm-hmm. And like I said, like we have our own, but I just can't imagine ever doing like the Matthew Shepard case. That would be so tough. I, I, I know genuinely the don't story. Know. I know the story, but like, I don't know. I was alive and conscious and aware for that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a hard, it instilled hard, a lot hard, of fear in me. Fear. I remember. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hmm. What do you, times. How did you process that? Come what now? Pro- How did you process pr- that? Pr- pr- what's, pr- what do you say? Pro- process? Process? I don't know what that word oh. is. Oh, so we sh- so you're right, 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 Irish. So you shoved it down. Mm-hmm. You internalized it. That's it became, the word. And it became your identity. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you were that. saying. <laughs> I don't know what you were saying, but I know about internalizing that and making it a real fucking problem. 
home. <laughs> yes, for everyone. No, it was, it was like, yeah, it was a traumatizing moment. It sure as was. A country. Well, thank you for letting no, me you. talk about it, and um, thank you for bringing your insights into the conversation too. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What you said at the top, like it's important to have a discussion about it. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, I don't know. It's just so sad. Like even, I mean, obviously out of context of like when it happened and the political environment and social environments, like it's horrible. But then like you remember how hard it was already Mm -hmm. for him to have been, for him to have been like a school teacher and a librarian in the eighties meant that absolutely no one could ever find out that he was gay he would have lost his well maybe not in canada but here he would have lost his job yeah Yeah, i don't know i mean maybe not after this moment in canada but like i mean it's just such a different horrible time sure is well thank you for sticking around for it and thank you listeners for listening to it too Forever. Thank you Grateful. for getting to the end. Hell yeah. You all deserve a gold star. Go ahead and get yourself your own gold star. You earned it. You earned uh, it. Thanks for listening to Jib Jab this week. Yes, indeed. Um, again, if you are so inclined, um, feel free to leave us a, a nice little review or a little rating. Um, yes, please. You can find us at Creepy Inquiries Pod on Facebook and Instagram and at creepyinquiriespod.com for our lovely website with all of our sources. Mm-hmm. And then at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com if you have any uh, thoughts, suggestions, ideas, corrections you want to share with us. We love hearing from you. And Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you, man. Yes. Uh,